culture is also so new. How can we better find a balance with our personal time, our quality time, with pastimes? This is the strategy inside everything. I'm Adam Pierno. All right. Welcome back to the strategy inside everything. We have a very interesting conversation coming your way right now. Uh, in August, I was I found a link, I guess is the best way to say it, to uh, an article on Medium. Uh, and it was really, really compelling. And I quickly tracked down the author and uh, reached out and said, I have, to, I have to talk to you. And after a little bit of back and forth, we were able to work it out. Um, Mr. Emmett Shine of Gin Lane Now Pattern uh, and Equal Parts joins us today. Emmett, how are you? Uh, hey, Adam, doing well and, and uh, happy to be here. Thank you so much for making time. I really appreciate it. Uh, unfortunately, I was just in New York. I wish we could have done this in person, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't adequately set that up. Um, so we'll have to go into and explain why I just listed three companies. That's really a big part of the story. But before we do that, would you give people a sense of your career and who you were up to uh, and through Gin Lane and, and talk a little bit about uh, what you did to build Gin Lane and then what it became? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go, I'll go back a little bit, I guess. Um, you know, I, I grew up on Eastern, in Eastern Long Island and, um, uh, my mom was, a, you know, a fine artist. And so I grew up around uh, a lot of art, um, and people making art, not in, in a, you know, a, a commercially successful way per se, just doing it for, that's just their, their call in life. And so, um, I, I ended up, um, at, uh, NYU for photography, went to Tisch, um, you know, I, I think in my mind, I was, was painting and making art at a really young age and I'm, I'm good at it, but I kind of realized I like never could maybe get to the level of mastery that, um, I wanted or that my mom was at. And I think photography was this new medium for me that I was really excited to explore, um, and try to, you know, uh, uh find my own personal mastery at. And, at, at NYU, I got introduced to um, the world of digital and I got a computer and I learned, you know, Photoshop and got a, you know, was able to rent a digital camera and learned then about, you know, more of the Adobe Creative Suite and learned about um, websites and HTML and JavaScript and really just kind of lived in what was called the digital darkroom and just taught myself um, all, all these, you know, software programs that would save me a lot of money instead of having a you know, go shoot all my film, uh, all my photos on film and have to develop it. And then, you know, go through that process. I could just shoot it digitally, um, upload it to a computer, edit it. And then I could, you know, build a little website and share it. And then if I was shooting, you know, products, I could actually like sell them for myself and other people. And by the time I was kind of a senior in, in college, I, you know, w was making enough money that I just, I, I dropped out just to work full time um, doing graphic design, web design and photography. And after a few years of doing that, um, I, I was running into business challenges where it was hard to always get paid on time. So, you know, um, you, you got to pay rent and people would say, okay, finish the job and I'll pay you in 90 to 120 days. And so I thought <laughs> that's still a problem. Yeah. And so I thought if I said I worked for a company, people would take me more seriously. And I'm from Southampton, Eastern Long Island, and Gin Lane is the name of like a very rich kind of street in that town. And so I thought everyone would know, you know, it was like, in my mind, it was like a park place or Fifth Avenue, even though no one knows it. So I was like, yeah, Gin Lane, 
Jinlay Media, this company I work for. And it, it kind of worked, but then I had to incorporate instead of a bank account, which I didn't understand to actually cash a check. And for the first two years of Jinlay, which, you know, would later become a, a full, normal, legit creative agency, it was almost just like a, a prop for myself and a few friends from NYU to do our billings through um, to be paid on better terms and just have a friend who was more confident and, and had a booming voice call people up and say, you know, pay my client. Um, but over the years, you know, we, we got in with the, the art and design crowd and built a lot of their websites when that was kind of important for artists and designers and jewelry or galleries to have like a web presence. And in order to do that, we had to come up with their branding and their typography and their logo and, you know, how to present the stuff and how to build CMSs and how to do e-commerce. And so that got us into the fashion crowd and started working with, you know, Stone McCartney and a lot of, you know, Theory, Helmet Lang, J. Crew, And that got us introduced to um, a, a new agency called Partners in Spade um, that had, was was floating in the same circles as these new startups called like Bonobos and Everlane and, and then Warby Parker. And so we got kind of introduced to those guys and just started sharing information for how we were, you know, building our website, showing images and integrating some of the more progressive technologies at the time that we were testing with smaller fashion companies. And we really felt like uh, birds of a feather with these entrepreneurs that were doing more of this direct to consumer work. Um, and then we got the chance to launch uh, Harry's to market and then build the online technology for sweet green and reformation about the same time. And that kind of really thrust us into, you know, this, this emerging world in New York city um, where, you know, people that would have worked in finance on the engineering side and people that would have worked more in fashion on the design uh, and strategy side were, were kind of converging on, you know, this digitally native vertically integrated space. And we spent really the next kind of half a decade immersing ourselves in, in, uh, you know, the fountain of youth of creativity, as I calling it, just launching brand after brand after brand. Um, and then, you know, a few years ago, myself, my partner, Nick, and some of our team here, we, we worked together for half a decade to a decade. Um, you know, we just started feeling for a few different reasons that maybe there was, you know, another challenge for us to kind of, to kind of go after, which ended up becoming pattern. Yeah, I want to. Okay. So that's a great, that's a great setup. Thank you for taking us back and going all the way back because your, your foundational story is, is important to this. When I read the, um, the, the initial medium article and I saw what you were trying to solve and the, the issues you were facing, which, which we'll talk about next. I have to admit, I had not heard of Jin Lane. I was not really familiar with your work despite being a, a student of, of the, of the industry. So my initial thing was like, well, I don't know if this is a big story or not. You know, I don't know how I should feel about this because I don't know. Yeah. But after a few very quick clicks, I said, oh no, this is a very important, this is a very important shop doing, you know, brands that, oh, right. I do know this. I've heard of this. I recognize this. Obviously I know all the brands you just mentioned and, and the brands you've helped along the way. So let's, let's talk about the decision you made, uh, and some of the root causes of it. And then we'll, we can come back to, um, Jim Lane and, and the, the transition, but what, what was it that you started to notice at Jim Lane, or maybe you didn't start noticing it with your team or your staff, but maybe it's just societally or systemically you started reading and being aware of the, of the issues. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's three main catalysts for, myself and you know the the leadership here as as well as really the the core team which 
um, you know, bought into what became pattern quite early. Um, th- three main reasons why we wanted to, um, you know, take this risk and go from a, a very, you know, good, profitable, enjoyable, uh, professional career and, and go out on a limb and try something different. The, fir- the first was, um, we, we wanted to keep working together. And I like to say, like when we helped launch Harry's about almost seven years ago, now our full-time headcount was, was 22 employees. And, and fast forward, you know, six and a half plus years later, when we, you know, took on investment for pattern, we were about 26 full-time employees. And so while, while our reach and our, and our work, um, grew each year, um, we very purposely kept our, our headcount quite low, um, because we wanted to really make sure that the work we were putting out, um, was at the level of quality that we felt we could manage, um, you know, which we really struggled if we tried getting over, you know, three dozen people from the headcount of the amount of work that we were doing, um, that it felt like it had the gym ring kind of seal of approval. And so as we- is that, is that, and does that commitment to quality from your background in fine art and your, you know, your upbringing and your studying at uh, Tisch? Yeah, definitely. Like my mom, you know, like she doesn't care if, if, um, if I make money or if the brands I work with make money, you know, she cares about, um, you know, the, the artistic integrity and, and the, the craftsmanship of, of the work we did. And so, you know, that was always a big driver for me is trying to, you know, my peers, also all my friends are like art snobs, you know, they're not like, I don't know, whatever, caring about some acquisition stat or whatever. Like, and so I would always try to work with normal brands, but bring a sense of like craftsmanship or artistic integrity as much as possible. Sometimes it's, it's hard and challenging, but that's always been a big driver for me is, you know, is, uh, representing myself and my values through my work. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. I, I cut you off though. If you, if you would continue. So step part one of the three was you, you were maintaining the same size to maintain the same commitment to quality, uh, and the same group of people that were all working very well together to get to that point. So basically what happened is we're getting older, you know, and, and when you're moving from your mid twenties to your late twenties and early to mid thirties, you know, your life changes. You got to make sure that you're there for your parents. Maybe you're getting married, you're coupling up, you're moving in together, you're, you know, having children. And so a few things happen. I think one personally, you, you need to, you know, earn an income that can support that. And the second thing is you want professionally your career to be challenging and rewarding. And I always like to say that Jim Lane was like this incredible, uh, farm, you know, farm team, like in baseball, you have like farm leagues. It's like, we always drafted, you know, raw talent and then helped through our system, mold them into, you know, incredible, uh, you know, all-stars. But imagine if, you know, the Kansas city Royals have all these great players, how do they, um, compete with the New York Yankees that have a massive payroll. And so what I didn't want keeping the sports analogy kind of going is what happened to in basketball, the Oklahoma city thunder, where they had Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, you know, with some other awesome players, which is just crazy, right? There's like three NBA all-stars playing together that organically were drafted, but everyone knew it wouldn't, it couldn't last. And so I think for us, it had to be broken up eventually, right? If we just stayed a really small independent agency, everyone was going to go form their own companies and do their own thing. And 
we didn't want that. We wanted to keep working together. And so we, we needed something which could allow us to stay tight as a team, but have a, a bigger challenge to go for. And as an agency, the only way that we thought we could do that was to just really increase from a headcount perspective, the amount of work we had to do, which we didn't want to do. The second, the second thing was we wanted to go deeper on our work, right? So again, we didn't want to go horizontal in terms of going to be 100, 200 person headcount shop. We also were, you know, the average length of time that we would work with, you know, uh, a client was like six to nine months, which, which is cool. But like when we're done launching a brand and getting them set up, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, um, I don't know, being like a, a midwife or whatever. We're just constantly helping people, you know, <laughs> like deliver There's their, a handshake and a pat on the back and they go their ways and you're, and you're there if they need you, but they, but they usually move on yeah. once everything's set. So I think after, you know, over a decade of doing this, we were like, Hey man, we, we really want to try going deeper and, and, and try operating and running some of these businesses and thinking about the creative and the decision-making post, you know, getting them and setting them up um, into market. And I think the third one, which is the, the kind of zeitgeisty cultural, the cultural part is, is, is um, this notion of an increased awareness around burnout and, and anxiety and um, time. And I think one, we, we, we started feeling it ourselves where before we really settled on what this model could be, we had explored, you know, different options. Hey, maybe we take on some larger, you know, uh, fortune 100 kind of clients that are down to allow us to do more creative, expressive work. And that will allow us, you know, um, this, this freedom to grow as an agency, but still kind of preserve this model. And we found it really, really, really hard and really stressful. And just, you know, work in general where you're trying to always push yourself and be excellent. It can be really challenging and really draining. And I think we, we, a few years ago, we, we kind of hit a ceiling in terms of that, that work-life balance where, you know, we found ourselves having to kind of buy our own design. It wasn't like we had to, it was that we felt that we had to challenge ourselves and push ourselves to do more. And the, the end result was we ended up feeling less happy and less balanced, more anxiety and more stressed. As we started talking about it, Internally, we realized we all were feeling this. And as we started talking to our significant others and our peers, you know, in their own different forms and ways, it, it seemed that this was a, a prevailing sentiment for a lot of young adult workers within, especially um, at first where we were centered in the information kind of knowledge economy. So people that, you know, primarily work in cities in, in the U.S. and, you know, they, they went to college and they moved to the city, not necessarily where they're from. And you work at a computer and some transferring of information or communication. And, you know, these jobs are highly stimulating, but they're also highly demanding and they don't really turn off. And so there's been a, a lot of narratives around, you know, millennials want flexibility and, you know, the freedom of the gig economy and millennials, you know, want to freelance. And some of it, you know, is true. I think people do want more flexibility and more freedom. Um, but I think another part is it's a byproduct of like, socioeconomic trends from the seventies where there is, you know, automation, there is, you know, globalization, there is, um, you know, post the recession in 2008, the floor did go out on a lot of job securities for a lot of people. And if you couple that with, right. you know, your, your student loans and owing a lot of debt and then the wages aren't rising, it's, you just find yourself treading where you have to work really long hours or work multiple jobs to keep up with the supply and demand Absolutely. and the cost of living. And on the other side, we're dealing with like 
information that just deluges you. You're on your smart, you're on your smartphone all the time. It's it's so omnipresent where there's just an endless amount of information, whether it's social media or work that just kind of follows you like a shadow everywhere. So, yeah. And that, how much of that was Jin Lane's culture to always, I've worked at places where it's really important to always be on and always be plugged in. And I've worked at places where it's not really that important. Um, how much of that plugged into uh, your smartphone was part of Jin Lane or how much of it was just lifestyle and smartphones are fantastic. So we're always checking them. Yeah. You know, I, I think everything in life is relative. Like I think we've, for at least the past like half a decade, you know, with my partner, Nick, and one of our, on the founding team of, of uh, Pattern, Sue's, when they really came on here, they really helped, um, you know, maybe the early days of Jin Lane when I was kind of running it in my, my mid twenties, there definitely was more of like a program or culture where you're just young and you're just really psyched on your job. And, you know, you order dinner and you drink beers and people, everyone's like kind of single and just working long hours and, but again, as we matured, I, I think they did a great job um, on the agency side of of setting some barriers to protect um, the work life balance. M- maybe not even for myself. I, you know, if I want to work long, I'll work long. But more importantly, for for the employees, right? And so I think Jin Lane has been, you know, a place that has a really strong culture where we do ski trips and summer trips, and we make lunches together, and we see movies together, and you know, we have summer Fridays, and we have good you know, from vacation to sick to personal leave time off. Um, that being said, it's all relative. We are in New York city working on computers and in, in the information right. sector. Right. So like, that's right. You know, if I speak, you're still going to be working. Exactly. I speak to my friends that, you know, are back home and have more of a traditional 20th century job, you know, their, their relationship with work and information is a bit different. For sure. And you can't, with especially in the creative field, it, it just takes a long time because you can't manage creativity. You don't know where an idea is going to go, when it's going to come, um, how it's going to impact the chain reaction of 20 other ideas behind or ahead of it. Yeah, so I, it's I hard to know. So this culture is also so new, right? It's like smartphones have only been really prevalent since like the, t- the 2000 teens, whatever. It's like it's under 10 years that it's really been like a very prevalent part of of our lives. And so I think there's this magic, these magic tools, but there's, there is a downside too, where like, it's hard to turn it off and it's hard to set boundaries where you wouldn't have, if you finished at the factory, you know, your, your boss wouldn't come to your house at eight o'clock while you're having dinner and ask you to, you know, look at some blueprints that you need to review the next for the next day in the factory. But with, with, you know, the internet in your pocket at any given time and the different tools from email to now Slack, et cetera, you can do that. And that happens and people don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, but it creates again, this always on uh, culture, which in some ways I don't think is totally healthy. No. And it, and the articles you cite in, um, in the medium article, as well as lots of literature and research proves that. Uh, that there are massive negative repercussions to follow. So did you outright close Gin Lane or is Gin Lane still open as a part of, of pattern, the new, the new company that you started? Yeah. One of, one of like patterns, like we had this little guide that we put out when we launched that, you know, has like really resonated and been shared thousands of times. And it's like 10 simple steps for daily enjoyment. And 
one of them is, is do one thing at a time. And it, you know, there's a deeper dive into it, which is the, 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 the falsehood of multitasking and like the way that our, our brain works. We, we, um, it's kind of like, uh, if you have like an Apple laptop and you have different windows and you're toggling between one that has, you know, Slack in it and the other one has Spotify in it, the other one has, you know, Asana or Trello or your email or whatever it is, that's what the brain does. And so when you think that you're like writing emails and like watching TV or you're speaking to someone and texting someone, the brain is like shifting back and forth between these different windows super rapidly, which, which causes um, a, a less effectiveness of being present or focusing on both tasks at the same time. And why I say that is that for us, we didn't feel we could effectively run an agency and try to build our own brand at the same time, because in different incarnations over the course of 10 years, we've always been very entrepreneurial. I always said, I'd, I don't think like a typical agency, I think that, you know, we're entrepreneurs that somehow found ourselves being an agency and we work with other entrepreneurs and help build their businesses. It was really hard to try to build a product, a SaaS product or a tool or our own brand um, while having the rest of the organization, uh, focused on serving, you know, clients. And so early days, we kind of shelved some of those ideas to really make sure we could have the quality to do client service at the level we wanted. And as we decided to transition into gin lane, which we really began in earnest of going through this process in September, 2008. And for, um, August, 2019, we, we were basically closed of all um, you know, client agency work. And, and now in, in fall, you know, 2019, it's our entire staff here, which we essentially like actually hired Jelaine, we brought our whole team over. And then we've brought on a, a number of other specialists for areas that we didn't do. So supply chain, um, growth, retention, acquisition, uh, business intelligence, customer service, customer experience. The whole team here is just very concentrated, um, on our own brands. Oh, that's amazing. And so the Jin Lane staff that, that was brought over, they are focused on doing the similar work of building out the brand and making sense of how it's communicated and how it lives and, and behaves in the world on these new brands that you're launching through pattern. Yeah. The kind of architecture is that like pattern is like a, like a family of brands. And, you know, I think we're still trying to figure out our terms in one way people could call it like, a hold co, but I think that feels quite like 20th century, but gin lane is essentially like the, the creative shared services at the center um, of the different brands that we're building. So, you know, pattern in its own right. I, I like to say like there's a numerator and a denominator. And so for example, our first brand equal parts, that's a numerator. It sits on top of pattern, which is a denominator, but pattern is also a numerator and a denominator because it is consumer facing, right? So there, you know, we have a social account, we do events, we make content, we speak to, you know, people, we're building a community. And, and so uh, the team that was Jim Lane is the hub uh, for the creative outputs from the branding, the positioning, the art direction, the, the content creation, the user experience, the, you know, the, the site design and the product development. How, so why equal parts as your first product? It seems you have a pretty, it looks like you have a pretty aggressive roadmap laid out um, every six months is what's on your website. Um, 
what made you decide on equal parts as your, you can give a little background on, equal, on what equal parts is, but what made you choose that one as the first, uh, the first brand in the family? Yeah. So, so trying to connect some of the, the threads from the three reasons why we wanted to try to go for our next challenge out of Jim Lane, it led to pattern, which um, is a synonym, you know, for, for habits. And I think we, we saw an opportunity um, to, to, to help ourselves as we were seeking and looking for um, answers and literature, um, you know, and kind of guidance on how can we, you know, better find a balance with our personal time, um, our quality time with pastimes, you know, I think that was something that we felt we had kind of lost. A lot of us in office didn't spend as much time, you know, with hobbies or, you know, feeling in control of, right. You're supposed to have, you know, eight hours to sleep, eight hours to work, eight hours, if you will, to do what you want. And I think most of us don't get eight hours of sleep, you know, work probably more than eight hours. And there's, you know, between commuting time and work seeping into your, into your personal time, you know, that personal time is destroyed. It's it's a very small amount of time. And a lot of it is spent, you know, statistically on our, on our smartphones, which again, I'm not a Luddite and I love my smartphone and have built a career to some extent by working with brands that are, <laughs> are, are native to it. But I think, I think it's like, it's like working in food when, you know, and, and being an advocate for, um, you know, food labels or working in, in alcohol and being an advocate for people having, you know, a more healthier understanding or relationship with, with wine. Like, I just don't think with, um, consumer technologies, we as yet have uh, more of a national and individual understanding and relationship of what is that right balance. And so I think we saw an opportunity for pattern to try to build a family of brand brands around this notion of, um, enjoy daily life enjoy daily life. And so, you know, what we're seeking to do is build brands that, that don't just sell people products. And what is unique of our model is because each brand is, you know, kind of owned under the pattern umbrella. Um, our real goal is going to be this notion of like, you know, from a business perspective, customer lifetime value and what you could say cross brand retention, but from a consumer perspective, it's trying to build a community around people who are, you know, looking to seek and, and have activities that are uh, strong beachhead as alternatives to feeling a lot of their personal time uh, has to be absorbed by either, you know, work or being on a screen in a way that is more passive. And so our first brand, Equal Parts, um, is cooking. And, and it's in for home cooking, it features you know, really beautifully intuitively designed cookware that we spent a lot of time doing research and speaking to people. And so, you know, looking at young adults in America, um, what made sense? We have, we don't have as much time as prior generations. We don't have as much space. We also don't have as much like what I would call like activation energy or like willpower when we come home from work. Um, and, right. <laughs> and a lot of us don't have a lot of discretionary income, you know, credit cards kind of get us through a lot of sticky situations, but that's just like, you know, something that is kind of, it's like pushing the dealing with it kind of down the road. And so, you know, for equal parts, uh, again, the cookware is designed to be um, affordable, sold in kits there. We use aluminum, which is a material, which, which is lighter. It's, you know, which we also heard a lot of like, Oh, stainless steel cast iron, they're quite heavy. Um, they also can be hard to use, right? So like aluminum heats up faster, it's lighter. 
Everything is coated with um, ceramic, which is non-toxic and it's non-stick. Um, and there's a bunch of other design decisions in terms of how they stack, in terms of the matte black colors we chose um, that we felt made a lot of sense in a, a gender agnostic way for the, the modern young adult. On the other side of it, there's coaching. So we have a team of legit certified professional uh, home chefs that are very passionate about teaching young adults in America how to form more healthier habits around cooking um, at home. So, you know, statistically, again, it's like, I think we, we order takeout like three times more, three times more than our parents, um, you know, whereas it costs us five times more to uh, order in versus, um, you know, making your own food. It's, it's a flow inducing activity. You come home from work and you got a lot on your mind. It's nice to just turn the stove on, open the refrigerator, put some music on and, and just get cooking. And, and many times it's actually faster um, and healthier to do than ordering in or eating out. So we saw cooking as this awesome Trojan horse um, to enter into the house in a very intimate way, try to work to um, create some new behaviors uh, with the young adults that we're, we're talking to um, and looking to build a relationship that um, is an entryway into their home, which is where our, our subsequent brands are, are going to spend a lot of time um, focusing on between products and guidance, um, trying to form these new habits um, that are a bit healthier in terms of um, protecting and advocating for, you know, personal time to be intentional and prioritized. Yeah, you know, as it, this didn't come through before in anything I had read before we before we're speaking right now, but hearing you tell the story of Jen Lane and through your through your description of pattern and equal parts, I'm I'm hearing a I hate to use the word pattern to describe what you're doing at pattern, but I'm hearing a through line of community and. Uh-huh. Can you speak to that a little bit? It sounds like you were trying to preserve the the group and the community and the what you had built at Gin Lane. And even now as you're expanding it through pattern and the first the first part of the equal parts, it sounds like you're being very intentional, maybe less about the, the anxiety and the stress of technology, but more about connecting people through products and through behavior. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go on a funny kind of rant. I'm always trying to, when I do these talks, I'm always trying to bring in something contemporary that I'm reading or thinking about um, and be funny with it. So, like, I don't know if you read the, the um, blog, Wait But Why. Um, it, it, I highly recommend if you like going down massive rabbit holes about any topic. But the, the writer um, just uh, came out last month with, it's, it's, a, it's like a 10-part uh, series. It's called the story of us. And he's like reverse engineering to some extent it took him about two and a half years. What the hell happened, um, with the 2016 election and, and Brexit and how, you know, national politics are being intertwined with society and technology. And there's just this whole confluence of stuff, which just feels very new and very different. And I think stressful for a lot of people. And anyway, he goes all the way back to like, like a genetic and gene level and like evolution and how, what is an organism from cells and what is an organ and what is an animal and, you know, what are humans. And if you read, you know, Sapiens with the Yuval Hariri talks a lot about how, what, you know, this, this kind of cognitive revolution about 50 to 70,000 years ago that really sparked this progression of homo sapiens to become 
you know, these crazy weird creatures that we are today, a big part of it is, is our, our ability to share uh, stories and have an imagination and, you know, to some extent foresee or predict the future, um, which separates us from, you know, a lot of our other animals and mammals. And so he basically, um, in it talks about the difference of ants versus spiders and I'll pull this all back. I, I swear, but ants, you know, <laughs> Thank what, you. I was like, where is this going? So, so ants, you know, he argues, um, are truly an organism as a colony and they're not, um, you know, an organism at, uh, at an individual level. And if you remove an ant from, you know, it's, it's a, a colony, it, it, it will die um, 10 times faster than on a normal lifespan um, of what an ant will have when it's w- with its collective. And that's because it's like separating a part, you know, or an organ or something from your body or removing cells. They are meant to work, you know, as we would say, homeostasis as a collective, whereas spiders, they're an individual creature. They are individual at individual level. And the comparison for humans is that we're kind of hybrids, right? So we can be, you know, um, a free will, a sentient individual creature that can, you know, just go live in the woods by ourselves, all, you know, Henry David Thoreau style if we want. But truly, we are also, you know, social creatures. We, we have been part of um, tribes, you know, for a very long time. It's very important, um, you know, for, for being human. And, and basically what, what has happened is, you know, there is this notion where humans are, uh, per their tribes, that is, you know, the organism is, is that tribe. And with modern technologies and stuff, we now have these super tribes, right? Which is a whole other different kind of conversation for another day. You know, those that identify with Judaism versus Islam versus Christianity, or if you're a member of Facebook, or if you're a fan of the, the Green Bay Packers, or if you work for Facebook, right? These are essentially kind of made up narratives that we buy into. And when you look at humans, people that are isolated, you know, and they have more remote jobs or they're not as part of society, which you can see in America, the rates of, you know, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, depression and suicide are just unequivocally so much higher. And that's because, you know, we are biologically and socially designed to be cultural creatures. And I do think, Mm -hmm. you know, they say there's nowhere lonelier than in the big city. Like you're surrounded by people, yet at the same time, you feel like you don't have any strong connections with any of them. And then when we're on our phones and we're texting people and we're liking stuff on social media, you feel like you're, you're, you're forming connections, but they're not these multi-sensory, true, biological, socially, what we're used to ways of forming relationships. And so I do think community is something really important to me. It's something that's been important to Jim Lane. We, we, even when people left Jim Lane, we always maintain a very close relationship with them because it's like, what's cooler in life if you can be an adult that you can maintain a positive relationship with your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend or someone you worked with? You know, it's hard if you're in high school or something, you're just all hot-blooded and emotional. But if you share, you know, <laughs> you share experiences with someone, isn't that special? And so I think, you know, for pattern, it, we're looking to try to build a community of people who are looking for uh, a different way of thinking about uh, attention and presence and balance. And so if you're an employer, you know, maybe don't try to work, you know, your employees into the ground. If you're an employee, you know, make sure that you you set up more barriers to protect yourself as much as you can about being intentional about your time, you know, and, and 
I, I think again, as a millenn- millennials are maturing, getting older, we're dealing with a, a very interesting compression of of a transition. Our parents are getting older. You have to be more present for your parents, all the stuff they're going through. For yourself, you know, you're getting coupled up, you're getting married, you're having kids. There's such a in your late twenties through your early to mid thirties, so much changes. Yeah, it's such a transition. It happens. It happens. It seems like it happens really fast. All of a sudden, everybody starts getting married, and your your parents do age. Um, I have one last question for you about um, what what you're doing. And it, it, as I was thinking about this conversation heading into it, I, I've seen brands being built. I've seen products being built, and you know those aren't light tasks. That's it's the heavy endeavor. And when I see the ambition of pattern. It's not like you pulled off the highway and said, okay, we're shutting down Gin Lane and we're going to just change it into something smaller or something where it's a lifestyle business. It's very ambitious. So the question is if we're focused on, if, if pattern is meant to be focused on community and, and enhancing the participants in pattern's lives, you know, what are you, what are you doing differently from a business standpoint to, you know, people can be just as consumed with things like brand building, design, um, and the creative side as they can with things like logistics and supply chain. How are you, how are you building it out at equal parts and pattern to, to protect people? Yeah, for sure. And I think if you go back to the, the three main reasons why we wanted to make this transition, you know, one, we, we wanted to create, um, an ecosystem that would give, you know, our team and our leadership and some of the awesome talent we have here that we're bringing in, um, a lot of room to grow, you know, and I, I will say, you know, if you look at, you know, uh, Microsoft or, you know, uh, Facebook or, you know, Apple or some of these larger tech companies, even Amazon to some extent, you know, if you're more on the engineering side, there's a lot of flexibility, you know, Google is a great example. You can be an engineer at Google for, you know, 10, 12 plus years working in, different, you know, departments or divisions or teams. And I think on the creative side for designers and strategists, et cetera, we wanted to have a place where you have diversity, but it also can be concentrated. And so you can work on one brand or one part for a year or so, and then you can move into another area. And I think that is the diversity is something we liked from the agency world. We just wanted less diversity. The second part is related to the first part is we wanted a model that would allow us to more adult style. It's like, it's hard to make a movie. It's hard to write a book. It's hard to, you know, buy a home or build out your dream home. These are things that like, I think they're also hard for where your brain's at as a teenager in your twenties. You know, it's once you get into your later twenties or, you know, for most people, your thirties or forties, where you can have that, that discipline, willpower and cognitive space to envision something that will take multiple years out to do. And I think that's something that we've been seeking is, is a creative environment that allows us to envision multiple year um, endeavors and then take time, you know, day by day, week by week to build to it. The third part is, is combating the, you know, the anxiety and the burnout. And you're right. Like we're not per se taking our foot off the pedal in terms of just coasting and building some lifestyle business. It is ambitious, but I think it's very important in life to hold yourself accountable and practice what you preach. And, you know, if you fall short, just own up to it. But we're, we're definitely trying to, you know, live by these notions that pattern is trying to stand for about, you know, balancing your day and trying to make it enjoyable. And so, you know, our, our team is, you're here by 
nine, nine o'clock, nine to 10 o'clock. And we're out of here by six o'clock. We're not working on weekends. We're trying as much as possible. Obviously here and there, you got to work late sometimes, but I'm not, you know, trying to demand people, you know, answer my phone calls and are coming into the office crazy. And we're trying to, we're trying to, I think another challenge is we're trying to build, you know, a business that can grow and be significant, but we're trying to do it in a way that isn't as 20th century startup ideals where I, where people are sleeping under, you know, their desks and if you wear these badges of honors about working yourself into the ground and being able to survive it. Like it, it, it's almost like a genetic mutation for entrepreneurs that are able to do that. And it's not fair to many normal people that their life isn't allow them to do such psychotic things that also is, it's a, it's a very high risk proposition. And you, you spend 80 hours a week for three years and it doesn't work out and you don't have any equity, you're a normal employee, you're burned out and you have nothing to show for it. I don't, I don't want that culture and I don't think that that should be cool or what is promoted. So, you know, we're not perfect, but at least I think that's what we're, we're also trying to live by. Wow. That's uh, that sums it up very nicely. And it's, it's impressive what you're doing both in terms of the, the ambition and the scale, but also the, the goal and the commitment to trying to make it better. So uh, Emmett, I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, joining me for this, uh, for this conversation. It was fantastic. Yeah, Adam, thank you a lot. And, you know, if you're listening, hopefully it's useful to you and stuff. So thank you. No, very good. And where can people, I know I'll link obviously to uh, Pattern and to um, Equal Parts. Is there any other place that you would send people online to to find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, you, the websites are patternbrands.com. And my mom, I mentioned before, painted all the watercolors and stuff on the website. So that's been I was going to ask you about that yeah. because they're beautiful and they're tucked in there so neatly. And I thought somebody, somebody did these with love. You could tell that somebody cared about it. Yeah, man. It's also like, again, you know, I've got all the data and I know all the best practices, AB this and use Shopify this, whatever. But like, I still want to bring that artistic integrity and wonder, you know, that you, you can make a movie, a Pixar that can be a great success, but you know, the, the artistic integrity is so awesome and the storytelling is so awesome. And so I think we're just trying to create little worlds, you know, yeah, we want people to buy our stuff and build relationships with customers, but I think we're also trying to tell stories and, and make these little worlds to be immersed in. Yeah. The, well, the watercolors add soul. It adds soul. You know, they, they prove that there's, there's a, a human, there's a human it's involved. All, it's not all just, yeah, exactly. it's not all just hex codes and, and vectors, you know, like that stuff's cool again, but I think just balancing it, adding a little bit of like analog tactility goes a long way. I agree. All right. Well, thank you again. This, this was awesome. And uh, thanks for making time. Okay. Adam, thank you so much. All right. So long. Wait, don't stop listening. The show's not over. If you liked what you just heard, or you've liked any of the episodes of the strategy inside everything, do me a favor. I really appreciate it. Leave a review wherever you listen to the show, whether it's Apple podcast, Google play, Stitcher, wherever, please leave us a rating and a review. Please, if you can, share this episode or another episode with a friend. Let them know what you liked about it. Uh, That helps us quite a bit. If you have ideas for guests, for topics, follow up on episodes you've heard, you can tweet at us at APierno, that's me, or at strategy underscore inside, that's the show. Either way, I promise I will respond to you and get back to you right away. And listen, running this show is a labor of love. I really do it just because I enjoy the conversations, but it does cost money. So web hosting costs money. 
Microphones cost money. My kids' haircuts cost money. If you wouldn't mind, look at our Patreon. It's Patreon, uh, Adam Pirino there, and you could help us out quite a bit. For more information about all the guests we've had, anything you want to know about the podcast, uh, my two books, Underthink It and Specific, or ways to engage with me as a strategy consultant or as a speaker at your next event, please go to adampirino.com and you'll find all the information you want. And if you can't, just send me a note. Thanks a lot.